0: Welcome to Resilience Found, a podcast of stories shared in hopes to inspire, encourage, and most importantly, let others know they are not alone. Everyone has a story to tell. Do you want to tell yours? Today, I'm talking with Jennifer in Seattle. She's going to take us through her story of infertility, IVF, and most recently, embryo donation. So Jennifer, thank you so much for being here with us today.
1: Thank you for having uh, me.
0: Yes. And your story is so fascinating. And I'm really excited to get this out there for folks to hear. Um, I think that there are listeners that may be considering going down a similar path and are really going to be excited and find find your story so helpful. So thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome. And thank you for allowing this platform. I think that infertility is something that needs to be talked about more.
0: I want to open it up with, you know, you taking us to, you know, uh, when you first realized that this was going to be uh, a struggle.
1: (laughs) Yes. So so (laughs) I want to start there. I mean, none of us think that this is going to be a struggle, right? We're kind of uh, terrified at a young age, like told that we're going to get pregnant if we don't try as hard as we can not to um so this was definitely a shock for me and where i come from most people are having their kids in their late teens or early 20s so the fact that i had waited until i was 30 to even start trying was uh, definitely out of the norm for where i come from um so then when we started trying and nothing was happening <laughs> i immediately went to my doctor and said i think you know i think something's wrong um we're not having any success and I got the same runaround that I hear that a lot of people do and that's, Oh, it's totally normal. Uh, It can take up to a year, sometimes longer. It's totally normal. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So you kind of sit on your hands and you know, unfortunately this isn't something that we're taught about. We're again taught that it's going to be super simple to get pregnant. So be careful, but not what to do if you can't. Right. So, yeah, we ended up waiting a year, an entire year, before um, going to Google. I mean, we really didn't know what to do. So, we found a couple, um, a couple uh, reproductive centers here in Seattle uh, and made an appointment. We really didn't know how to compare them or anything like that. Uh, so, we made an initial appointment and met with a fertility doctor uh, who put us both through tests. It's very, very simple for the men, not so simple for the women, Uh, but it turned out that I have diminished ovarian reserve. Um, I don't, I think that my egg supply is that of somebody in their mid forties. So they gave us about a 1% chance to conceive naturally, which was insanely shocking to me. Um, So they, uh, they ruled out, they're like, you can try IUI. You try that, but we don't recommend it. We recommend going straight to IVF, which is not a cheap thing. It's really not. And that's when we started really looking into all of our different options with these clinics uh, just to compare prices because it runs around $30,000, at least here in the Seattle area, uh, which, you know, we don't just have lying around. So <laughs> so um, we had to think that through, figure out how we were going to come up with that money, but Again, we thought, well, we have to go through IVF. It's got to be a guaranteed thing. Like, done deal, one and done, right? Like, you go through all these medications, these injections, you go through egg retrieval, then you're going to have a baby at the end of it.
0: Right.
1: Long story short on that, I went for my egg retrieval and ended up with no eggs. They got nothing, which was completely devastating. So my egg quality um, was so bad that there was just nothing there. Um, so that was
0: heartbreaking. Um, so you, you went to the fertility doctors, they said, don't have enough eggs. We think you should do IVF. Yes. How long did that first cycle take? Like, what was like the timeline? Like, like how many months was this, or was it just a quick, here it is?
1: From the time that we uh, had our initial appointment until the time we started injections, I would say it would be, it was around four to five months because we did go through a lot of testing, Uh, a lot of testing just to see like, are your, your tubes open? Um, do you have any polyps, like things like that? Just all these different types of tests, blood tests, genetic testing, um, we ended up finding out that my husband and I are both carriers for this really nasty genetic disorder called SLO syndrome, um, which was also not fun. (laughs) So yeah, after we ended up with no eggs, um, we didn't really know where to turn. And I mentioned the genetic testing specifically because that's when I met our genetic counselor. Her name's Gina Davis. And she Uh, has been an amazing resource. I still talk to her to this day. Um, She's been great. So she's the one who actually told me about embryo donation. I had no idea that it was even an option. And at that point, though, I wasn't ready to go down that path. You know, it's really hard to give up your genetics. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's really, really, really hard. Um, Yeah.
0: Like, what did, I mean, how were you feeling when i mean i I'm sure pretty devastated when they told you we didn't get any eggs and that, and I guess that's something that they can't go back and try to do again.
1: well, you can you just have to fork over thirty thousand more dollars, <laughs> wow. but they- t- also told me that you know there's no guarantee the same thing won't happen again, so we had to weigh our options and I mean for me personally i um I grew up without a family i was adopted I had a foster family um so for me like this was like this was it this was my chance to have my own genetic family so it hit in a whole different way um to do that so um,
0: yeah I mean, it was, how did that how did that I mean what was like your initial and in your husband's reaction um you know hearing the word donation
1: yeah it was uh <clears throat> at that point it was not something I was ready fully accept um just because you know growing up and being that child that was not genetically connected um it it had a different feeling for me so i wasn't ready yet i wasn't at that point we decided to look into donor eggs i was fine with giving up my genetics at that point uh, but i still wanted our child to have you know at least one of our dna to feel connected to one of us, because I was putting my own experience on this child that doesn't even exist yet. (laughs) And assuming that they're going to go through this entire same process that I did and grit, like, please understand, like, I was uh, in foster care as a teenager, not from birth or anything like that. So it definitely it's completely different situation. Yeah, Yeah. so definitely, definitely different. So we decided to try uh, donor eggs. And, uh, but even that is really expensive. So it's about $15,000 for a batch of six eggs. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know how much you know about the success rates. (laughs) When... Admittedly,
0: <laughs> not allowed.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, even if it were all gone perfectly, and I got my six of my very own eggs, of those, I would be so fortunate to have three or four of those fertilized. Of those three or four, I'd be really, really lucky to have two that went to blast stage. The numbers just dwindle away, and then after that, you can send them out for genetic testing. Make sure that they are chromosomally normal. Uh, and of that, you're lucky if you get both of them or even one back. That's okay. And if you don't do that test, you just have a greater risk of um, potentially having a chemical pregnancy. Uh, it terminating early just because of those genetic defects. So, <laughs> $15,000 for six eggs. I mean, we were just hoping to have one embryo out of that. It's... It's a lot of money for a slim chance. We ended up with no embryos. Um, And I want to say that my husband's semen analysis was spot on, dead on. He's awesome. Uh, So (laughs) it was just bad luck, you know, like they say everything happens for a reason. But at this point, it was it was really hard to figure out what that reason possibly could be. Um. But yes, so donor eggs did not work out for us.
0: And, and how how long was this after the failed um, IVF?
1: We took we took about six months. Okay. Before we jumped into the donor egg, you know, like all of this, it takes a lot of processing. Um, we both want a family, so we didn't want to wait too long, but we also didn't want to jump into anything too soon. We wanted to make sure we were processing correctly, um, taking it all in, and again, making sure we examine our options. So it was about, I would say, six months. And then between the time that we started and the time that we, you know, we got no embryos <laughs> was only a matter of about three months. So it didn't take that long. Um, and that was, oh my gosh, January of 2020. When that okay. happened so yeah and then after that I was not I was not ready to move on forward with anything I mean
0: well I, there was a pandemic there was
1: all, but yeah I mean a pandemic sure absolutely but mentally emotionally financially I just I couldn't do it I was just like this isn't meant to be like this isn't gonna happen so I need to Process, and I need to get used to the idea that I'm not going to have kids. It's just not going to happen. So,
0: so you were feeling defeated,
1: completely, completely I mean, it's defeated. A, a light
0: way of putting it, I'm sure, but yeah, um, I would think there's a lot of different emotions through something through that heavy of a disappointment.
1: Yes, definitely was. Um, I ended up, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is all cracking now. Uh, I ended up speaking to uh, a counselor about it. Just, you know, want again, making sure I'm processing everything correctly. Um, and I don't remember when it was, honestly, but between, sometime between February and June, um, Gina had just reached back out to me just to see how everything was going and all of that. And so I let her know. And she let me know about this um, organization that she was starting with a couple other people who, you know, knew about embryo donation, were involved in it in some way, called Empower Donation. Okay, and it just happened to be good timing. I told her what happened, and you know she apologized and said, you know, you really should think about looking into donor embryos. She had donated her embryos um, at one point, and for those who are not familiar with embryo donation, people who go through IVF, some of them are extremely lucky. They end up with forty eggs and twenty embryos. <laughs> <laughs> they, oh. they hit the jackpot right so it's not always not doom and gloom it's not always bad luck some people really like they knock it out of the park and you end up with 20 embryos i mean you could have 20 kids like you could but most people don't want that so once you're done building your family it becomes a question of what are you doing with the rest of those embryos you have the option of either donating them to science destroying them Or you can donate them to a family who is unable to create their their own. So that's what I'm talking about right now is those embryos. So accepting donated embryos, which I, I'm not, I've never been against it. It's not, it's not that I've ever been against it. It was just that I was not ready. I had to go through this journey, um, to be able to be ready and to accept this type of path. Um, So I heard her out. (laughs) We talked about it at length. Um, And I started doing research and I started looking into different clinics and I started to decide what is important for me that my kids have as far as information and, you know, even genetics, you know, like how am I going to pick these donors, you know?
0: So how you said you had to be in the place and how did you know? deep down that you were, I mean, you had, you know, I want to acknowledge that you have been through some tough things already. How did you kind of come to that place where you said, okay, this is something that I think I want to do.
1: That's a great question. So I had to think to myself, what was the most important thing that I wanted out of this? Was it, To have my own genetic family, or was it to have a family? Was it to have kids? So I came to the realization that I really just wanted. I wanted that family. And regardless of how it came to be, it would still be my family. I still had an amazing opportunity to experience pregnancy I don't know how much of an amazing experience I'm going to say childbirth is like, I haven't done it yet, but I can already tell you that I don't want to do that part. (laughs) So, yeah, but I get, I get the opportunity to experience that. Yeah. And then as well as, you know, the infant stage and all of that. So breastfeeding and all of that, I still can have that. And I still have the opportunity to again, have that family. So that's how I came to that realization.
0: And what within you, too, I mean, just from a uh, resilience, I mean, did you feel like through all of these other things, you were building up your resilience? Yes. Yeah.
1: I would say so. I mean, I've gone through a lot of different types of struggles throughout my life. Um, This is just the latest. So I have been able to build that resilience throughout the course of my life. This is obviously different, um, but I feel like I was better prepared than I think most people for dealing with a disappointment like this. And it's always moving forward and looking forward and not not dwelling too much on what's already happened, what can't be, things that you can't control. And just focusing on what you can control and moving forward.
0: And you said that you also had spoken to a counselor, like a, now is this a mental health counselor? Yes. Which is, I think, probably was very helpful, I would think, to kind of talk through your feelings and fears and all that yeah, it
1: definitely was, and it's really with the counselor side of it. It's it's a matter of just having a sounding board that isn't that isn't your husband, and that aren't your mm-hmm. friends. <laughs> <laughs> so really, that's the whole benefit in my mind of a counselor is you know just getting the unbiased feedback on how well, you're processing it and making sure that you're doing it correctly.
0: I think that was um, very. I probably, um, you know, a lot of people aren't always willing to do that. So I think that was a very uh, brave choice you made, you know, to to do that, to make sure that you were taking care of you through something like this.
1: Yeah, we kind of get lost on that a little bit. <laughs> yes. Always moving yes. forward, waiting for the end result. We forget to take care of ourselves. Um,
0: so when when you started looking at The embryo transfer. So how does that work? I mean, can you kind of, for our listeners, spell out, I mean, is it, like, how do you even go about choosing that or what's that, what does it look, what does that process look like?
1: That was, that was probably the hardest part is like really wrapping your head around it. So I spent a lot of time looking into different clinics, embryo donation programs, and I learned that a lot of them where all of most of them seem to be anonymous, you don't really have uh, any connection with the donors themselves. A lot of them really didn't give you any information at all. It was just like, here you go. It's, this is a Caucasian embryo. Good luck. <laughs> and I realized that I, I wanted to make sure that my kids were set up with as much information as they have when they get older and they start having questions. So I used to, I made a checklist for myself. I was like, these are the things that I think that they're gonna wanna have. So in that it was medical history of both donors. It was ancestry. Like what's the breakdown of the donors? You know, it's just nice okay. to know where you come from. Sure. And then from that I wanted to make sure that I could at least try to give them a genetic sibling, somebody that they were connected with genetically. Okay. So that if they do decide to go down the path of where did I come from? Who are my donors? They could do that with somebody. Now they may not want to, they may want one, not ever question it or two decide it's something they want to do on their own, but at least they have options. So, Knowing that those were my criteria made it very hard to find a clinic that actually, you know, provided all of that. I ended up at a clinic in New Jersey called RMA Baskin Ridge, uh, who were able to meet all of those. They were able to give me four embryos, all tested for chromosomal um, abnormalities. They were all perfect grade. I knew the genders of them. They had medical history and ancestry history. They had all of it. The one thing they didn't have, and it's something that I find that a lot of couples focus on, was the egg donor was not a match for me. And when I say that, I mean physical characteristics. A lot of people, when they go through this process, they want to find donors that are as close a match to them as possible.
0: When you say to them, like, meaning...
1: To um, the couple that's going through the process. So, like, my husband and I. So, we would want to find a donor where the egg donor matched to me. Char- physical characteristics. um or ah, okay. Ancestry. A- okay. Yeah. And with him, same thing. This okay. batch that we got was perfect in every way, including the match for my husband. Ancestry physical characteristics all of that but the female donor was not so the female donor um is brazilian italian and i'm irish british okay <laughs> so very very different yes. <laughs> but that's okay you know what i mean every other aspect of that was perfect so we really i felt hit it out of the park with was In- finding a match
0: did you physically have to go to New Jersey to get the embryos or how does that work?
1: Yeah, they hold all, they hold the embryos there. Okay. Uh, you pay a storage fee. I was able to do all of my monitoring and testing and all of the things that they require here in Seattle. And then when it came time for the actual transfer, my husband and I flew to New Jersey and we did the transfer. Okay. Yeah.
0: And. I'm assuming nobody really helps you or do they with, I mean, or did you just kind of have to call around to all these different places? I did.
1: I actually did. I was actually speaking with somebody. The great thing about infertility is that the community is enormous. And if you just look, you can find so much support. So I've actually been speaking with this one woman who told me that when she started her journey, she went and found an IVF counselor. Like somebody okay. who would help her go through this entire process, which I didn't know it was a thing. So hmm, I didn't either. I, I only learned about that recently. So this person apparently will go and they will help you call around. They know the right questions to ask based on what you are trying to achieve and can help educate you. I did not know that that was an option. So yeah, I did those all by myself. Wow. Yeah. I do wish that I did have somebody like that. And I knew all of my options up front because I might have, you know what I mean? Like, I might have chose a different path. And I don't want to focus on financial on this too much because obviously there's so much more involved here emotionally. Um, But (laughs) the difference in cost between IVF and embryo donation is extreme. So I believe... So, like I said, the um, IVF process for us was around thirty thousand. Embryo donation was around five. Okay. So it's a big jump. (laughs)
0: It's
1: a little (laughs) bit. It's a little bit. I don't regret anything. I really do think that, you know, I I had to go through the journey uh, to get to where I am now. But it would have been really good information to have.
0: So, when you're in New Jersey, you get the embryos, then what, like, what happens next?
1: So, before you get there, I mean, I already knew the genders and stuff, so they got, they asked me, like, do you want to know? Like, do you want to pick? And that's not something I ever wrap my head around. So, I mean, I was like, you know what? I've had no control over any of this process so far. Yeah, you know what? I want to pick. I'm going to pick the gender. So (laughs) I chose uh, a male. So I got there, and it's just the same as any transfer, really. I mean, it was all done in an hour. (laughs) It was so quick. But COVID, so my husband couldn't come in. So now it's a big joke that I got pregnant while he was sat in the parking lot. So that's (laughs) fun. (laughs) But, yeah, it's a standard... Uh, transfer process. It's really, it was nothing out of the ordinary, except for the fact that we had to fly to New Jersey.
0: And then you come back to Seattle and then you just start seeing your doctor here again. Yeah. Well, you still have to
1: do the outside monitoring bit because they still monitor you. You do your dreaded two week wait. You go in for your first beta and you hope it's over 200 or hundred, it's a hundred, sorry. And then I've already forgotten everything. It's insane. Uh, and then, you know, you go back a couple of days later and hope that that number has doubled. Um, and then they still like, so normal pregnancies, you don't, you don't get to have too many ultrasounds and blood work and all of this stuff monitoring. But with IVF, we did it for, I believe an additional two weeks, like weekly monitoring and Um, ultrasounds and all of that just to make sure everything was progressing normally and then at 10 weeks we graduated and I got to go to an OB which was surreal
0: I bet and how did you I mean how did you feel seeing that first ultrasound
1: terrified (laughs) because honestly like nothing's ever gone through this whole process it's been three years nothing has gone right not one thing. So I was just like, all right, well, you want to hope for the best. I'm usually a worst case scenario person. I will admit that. But I got nervous. You know, I kept thinking, when is the other shoe going to drop? Right. And I think I felt that way until I was out of my first trimester. And even now, I mean, infertility PTSD is a real thing. Um, Just because you're pregnant doesn't mean the infertility piece of this goes away. It doesn't. So I've continued to talk to people. I have an amazing network of people that I can connect with about this. Um, but yeah, it's one day at a time.
0: Can you tell us, I mean, where, so where are you at now? Oh, right. your life.
1: <laughs> so right now, I am, I'm 25 weeks pregnant now. i um, June 18th. Um, yeah. I mean, It's still completely surreal. I can feel him moving in there, which is really weird. Um, I am so grateful every day that embryo donation was an option
0: and that it worked. I mean, that's, it's such a incredible thing that modern medicine is able to do now to be able to give, uh, You know, someone like yourself and so many other people out there, this amazing chance that, you know, probably not too long ago wouldn't have really been an option.
1: Yeah, that's true. And even, you know, a while ago when you did, you had the option of donor egg, donor sperm, donor embryo. Um, It wasn't something, again, that was talked about, but also not something that doctors encouraged you to talk to your children about. It was all just like, hush, hush, you know, let them think that they are genetically related to you. And now we live in a world where you can be open about these things, not just open, but there are so many, I mean, I went through a clinic, but there are ways that you can connect with couples um, yourself and have an open relationship and it becomes more of embryo donation and more of embryo adoption. And the kids are able to grow up with their genetic siblings, and you can be connected to that other family. And it's more of an extended family type relationship, depending on if you're comfortable with that.
0: But and is, am I allowed to ask? Um, is I mean, and if not, you can, of course, say, <laughs> um, is how have you thought about that for yourself and in your baby that's coming?
1: Yeah, I definitely explored the option of open don of open relationship. Uh, there are, again are tons of Facebook groups where you can connect with families that have embryos that they are looking for homes for. Because I mean, you have to think about it from the other side too. If you had these embryos, they're still yours, right? Like letting them go is not something I can imagine is really easy. You want to make sure they're going to someone you approve of. So I can definitely see how it'd be beneficial from their side. From my side, I explored it. And again, it's all about the journey. It's not something I'm ready for yet, but it's not, if you think about it, it's not my decision. It's not my life. These kids that are born out of this, they, they, it's their decision, so there are th- resources out there. I mean, nobody can stay hidden anymore. Ancestry.com, 23andMe, like it's just not a thing anymore. So, there is uh, something called Donor Sibling Registry that's also available that they have the option to go look into. So, as we, as the kids get older, um, I still have three embryos on ice, so <laughs> uh-huh. as they get older. Then, and they start asking questions. If they've that they are open to that, then I will absolutely help them as much as they want to find out that information um, and be a resource to them. But it's not something I want to force upon them in either way, either having this open relationship uh, with this other family or completely just being 100% closed off and not talking to them about
0: it. So it's not something that, you it doesn't sound like this was something that you were looking to hide from your kids
1: I'm absolutely not hiding it but it's also not I mean yes I'm speaking on this podcast right now about it because I want to make it um more known for people who may need this option but it's not something that I plan on um screaming from the rooftops every day as soon as he's born it's like I don't want this to be his entire identity I want it to be a part of his story. And then he can decide later, you know, how much he wants to dig into that.
0: I, I like that. I, I would think that our listeners would respect that. Um, I mean, I don't know how somebody couldn't respect that. Letting your child when they're at the right age someday make that decision.
1: It's just my opinion. I mean, you know, everyone has their own opinion on this. Some people right. don't talk about it at all. Some people, it's all they talk about every day. Um, I don't know that there's a right, right, or wrong way. It's just, I mean, it's all trial and error, I think. I mean, I think that's most of parenting, I'm guessing, is trial and error. So
0: right. <laughs> all I can and,
1: do is hope that I'm making the right decision.
0: And it's, you know, I think listening to your gut and you're your own best advocate And you know, what's right for you. Exactly. There is no right or wrong. That's what I'm hoping. (laughs) How, How? um, I mean, what other kinds of things kind of got you through, um, you know, whether it was groups or friends or family? I mean, did you, what's found, what have you found helpful going through the process as far as support?
1: um really speaking to other people who have been through this process finding those people not being afraid to put yourself out there and find these people um i've connected with a number of different people on social media and again through gina and her program uh which is empower donation um I've been able to connect with a lot of people to, you know, voice my feelings. And sometimes it's just nice to hear that other people have these same feelings or if I'm not sure how to navigate something, then bringing up resources I had never considered again, like the IVF coordinator. I wish I would have known about that. I had no idea. So I, that's really what's helped me get through this, um, had an amazing support system. My husband's been amazing. My friends have been amazing. So I've been very, very fortunate with that. Um, but yeah, just again, keeping just talking about it and not hiding it and not feeling shame around it. Um, I know sometimes that's easier said than done, um, but just keep talking about it.
0: And what advice would you give to others that? might be just entering into infertility IVF all the options I mean what what do you wish someone would have told you
1: I wish somebody would have told me that after six months of trying to go have your husband do a semen analysis it is cheap it is easy for him to do and it can uh it can you know tell you whether or not there's something wrong quickly
0: yeah it's invasive I- I agree with you.
1: Yeah. And then just knowing what options and resources are available. I wish it were something that we were taught more, um, but just because the doctor says to wait a year doesn't mean you have to. If your gut tells you there's something wrong, start scheduling appointments. It can be as easy as a blood test to check your AMH level to see if you have uh, diminished ovarian reserve. Simple as that.
0: That's good to know. Um, and I mean, what are you most looking forward to about being a mom? (laughs)
1: That's a great question. I, I just, I can't wait to meet him. I think one of the most exciting things, I think this is true of every, uh, every parents out there, but I mean, being, having done this through embryo donation, I feel like every part of this really is going to be a surprise. I have no idea what color hair he's going to (laughs) have. You know what I mean? Like, Uh I just, I'm so excited to meet him, finally. And tell him that he better be the best behaved child, because this has been a struggle. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) Uh No. (laughs) Just, I really just can't wait to meet him and just to be surprised every day by how he turns out.
0: You know, your story in this journey that you've been through is so fascinating. And, um, you know, I couldn't help thinking earlier, you know, when you touched on the fact that you, um, you said, you know, I've been through foster care and adoption and, um, you know, I really wanted my own genetic family. It's not the way it's turned out, but yet it's almost like, I'm trying to think how to articulate this. Um, it's just like so meaningful the way it has turned out because you've been through what you've been through. And now for this baby, I think that's going to make you that much more of a better mother to him.
1: I hope so. Sense? It does make sense. I hope so. I hope that I'll be able to help him navigate through some of the feelings that he may feel. Um, and for him to understand that there's nothing wrong with, you know, being curious about where you come from. That's not yeah. disrespectful to me or my husband in any way. Um, But also being able to help him figure those pieces out, you know, find those puzzle pieces and explore different areas that he's from and finding his genetic siblings. So that's the thing is like, he could have genetic siblings out there. Um, The cohort. So we got four embryos. There are three other ones out there. So he could have other siblings.
0: It's really amazing. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: He's going to have make- a very unique story when, he's grow- when he grows up.
0: You know, we all do, right? hmm exactly. One way or another. And I know uh, earlier, right before we started recording, you had mentioned that there is an event you wanted to mention about this weekend.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for that. So Empower Donation is having a live webinar this Saturday, what is it, March 13th um it's i already forgot the time but i will give you the link so that you can put this um in the show notes for sure but it is this saturday and it's, the topic is becoming a parent via embryo donation and it's the recipient's journey so anyone who is considering accepting donor embryos this would be a great opportunity to not only hear other people's stories but to ask questions because it's live Um, And then anybody who has additional embryos that they're trying to figure out what they want to do with, it wouldn't be a bad idea to sit in on it as well, just to get the other other side's perspective on it. They do different webinars and different events for both sides of the journey, for donors and for recipients. So I would definitely keep an eye on their Instagram page and their Facebook page, or go to empowerdonation.com uh, and you can find out more.
0: That's great. And thank you for sharing that. I will be sure to put that in the episode notes along with any other, uh, resources that, um, you'd like to share. We'll definitely have those in there.
1: I'd be happy to. Thank you. I'll provide those.
0: And with that, I just want to thank you for being our guest today, (laughs) um, for sharing your amazing story and Gosh, just all the things you've been through and um, that you have this amazing baby boy coming in June. And it's just such a, just such an, I know I've said fascinating, but it really is. It's a fascinating and remarkable story. And I'm so grateful that you um, put this out there today. And if it helps just one person listening, then that's That's perfect. That's all we ask for.
1: That's all any of us can ask for. I appreciate you allowing me to come on to tell my story. It's been great. Thank you very much.